tap into your most original thinking, organize your ideas, and create the opportunities to launch your creative work. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our podcast. Our guest today is Dorothy Cole. Thanks so much, Mark. It's great to be here. Dorothy had a foundational start at Deloitte, and she built a 20-plus year career in media finance and operations with notable media companies such as CBS Sports, Fox Sports, NBC, HGTV, and the Food Network, and now her own company, DK East Associates. She brings her world-class background to emerging businesses through outsourced CFO accounting strategy and HR services. Dorothy, I think the first thing that people would hear when I shared your bio was, why is a CFO on a creativity podcast? But I think with all your background in the media, I think the answer is pretty clear for you, but share it with our listeners. Oh my goodness. That's that. How much time do you have? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Well, it's our podcast. We'll do what we want. There you go. (laughs) Having my background in broadcasting and media, I have been surrounded by creatives my entire career. And in fact, my my dad worked for NBC for 40 years. So I have been surrounded by this type of mind for my entire life. I'll, I'll expand it to that. And I am always amazed at just how creative minds work. That is so far different from mine, but at the same time, how they don't work. And often there is so much passion and so much emotion that goes into being a creative thinker but it doesn't equal out to the financial part. And there's so many creatives are just, they just want to, they want to help people. If it's social impact, they want to help people. They want to help people rebrand or get their message out there and all that to the detriment of their own business and their own financial well-being. And so I support that by being that that end of their business for them, by helping them with that part of it. And do you feel like it's a, it's a gap or do you feel like it's a block? And maybe if I could, you know, visualize that a little differently, it's like, I don't want to talk about finance because I get all tangled up or is it, I just don't have the knowledge. I think it's a little of both, which is why my business is not only supporting creative agencies and, and firms and such with the financial aspects, but it's also in teaching because I am a huge proponent of it. You, not, you need to know your numbers better than anyone else. You need to understand what is going on in your financials. And it has always frustrated me when I've worked with someone and they say, well, my accountant just sends me my financials. I don't read them. I don't look at them. He or she tells me if I'm doing well or not. And it's like, or they don't even have access to it because their bookkeeper or their accountant says, you're fine. We'll, we'll talk about it when we do taxes. This is your business. You need to know it better than any other person on the planet. I have an online course, in fact, that I'm launching soon that is hopefully going to allow that type of mindset to understand financials enough. They don't have to dive deep into it and be all debits and credits like I am, but enough so that they can understand it, appreciate it, and know how to pivot their business based on that information. And you're kind of describing this, you know, it's counterintuitive. We've been told focus on what you're good at and, you know, build your business around that. But you're right. That doesn't mean ignore maybe what you're not good at. Uh, Hope it'll go away. (laughs) You know, the numbers will be fine, I'm sure. Right, right. And, you know, the other thing, too, is that if even if you're not good at it, outsourcing is not a sign of weakness. Mm -hmm. Outsourcing is a sign of strength. I know what I'm good at. 
and I'm going to, I built my business around what I'm good at and I know what I'm not good at. And I'm going to bring somebody in who is good at that to help me on this journey. And mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing. So many people think that they need to be able to do it all as a, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, like I, it's my business. I need to know, know how to do it all. And they don't. And that's when they end up with that block of, I don't want to look at it because I don't get it, but they need to know that, you know, bringing someone in to get them through that or help them, you know, on that part of the journey is, is actually a, a good idea, a smart mm -hmm. idea. Well, and let's step back for a second to think about your approach and your process, you know, whether it's network TV sports or a local ad agency, there, there's something that you do when you come in, you say, look, this is the first thing we have to get a hold of. What, what is your uh, sort of starting point when you're looking at the business? Cost of goods sold. <laughs> what are your direct costs? <laughs> you know, it's funny because I was working with someone the other day. Well, I, I actually just took a call with her. I didn't even start working with her. And she had like $7,000 in sales and $80,000 in, in direct costs. And I was mm -hmm. like, how, how does that happen? And it was just that she had put all of her inventory that she bought into cost of goods instead of, you know, recognizing it when the product sold, right? Um, and so I often come in and I'll see if it, first of all, things miscategorized like that. And second, you know, so many, like we were talking about the creatives, they just want to get their stuff out there and be, you know, have an impact that they don't realize, you know, I am losing money on this. I'm, I'm, I have all these direct costs and I'm selling my service for X and my direct cost costs Y and X minus Y is either a negative number or a very small margin. And so it's looking at that saying, are you selling your stuff for as much as you should be? And are you getting your direct cost, your cost of goods items, whatever those are at a good enough price point that it makes sense for you? And yeah, you know, that pricing is such a conundrum for us. And maybe it is that confidence piece, but you know, are we pricing the work as it should be? Not yes. just what we think it's worth, but what the market thinks it's worth. Boy, that's a tough one for us creative people. It is. People. A tough one. It is. It's, it, I mean, I, and I think it goes across all industries, service providers, product providers, you know, me included in that, you know, um, I had an accounting professor way back in college who said, if you sell yourself, if you put yourself out there, at, you know, $20 an hour, those are the clients you'll get for the rest of your career. It's $20 an hour. So think hard about how you're putting yourself out there when you hang that shingle like they used to do back in the day. And, you know, it's hard to wrap your head around, especially because I think when you work, especially coming out of corporate, I should say, when you've worked for companies, their whole MO is to make you think that you're not worth more, right? Boy, I mean, most is, of that's us. That's an interesting perspective. Right? So you come yes. out of it thinking, I don't deserve to be, you know, three times my billing rate. I don't deserve to be at, you know, getting top dollar for my services, but it's because it, it benefited that company to have you at a low rate so that they could triple your rate and sell you. Right. So it's getting out of that mindset of, you know, what we were told we were worth through our career and what we actually are worth. And, you know, so it, like you said, it's what the market bears too. So if you put yourself out there a couple of times and say, yeah, I'm worth, you know, four times my, my actual hourly rate, and nobody bites, then maybe you're not. So bring it down a little bit, but you don't want to be in the other end because nobody's going to say, oh yeah, Dorothy, you know what? 
we'd really like to pay you a lot more than you're asking, can we? <laughs> Nobody's going to do that. I'm, I'm not familiar with that statement. <laughs> no. And now those clients who are getting you for the cheap dollar will refer other people because they're going to be like, hey, you know what, Mark, she's like super cheap, but she does a great job. So you should go. With it. And now you've got a whole bunch of that. It is a nice experiment sometimes when you get the new client or the new product and you add a zero at the end, just as an experiment. Yes. It's like I've been asking X and just put a zero. And if they go, well, was that a typo? <laughs> then you know. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> exactly. but you know, there are also the ones that bite on it right away and you're like, whoa, oh. mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, and talk to us about the, I guess, you know, we service providers don't always think of cost of goods. You know, that's sometimes it's like, well, we have to have all these materials for a product we're making. And it sounds almost manufacturing, but, you know, there are costs of goods of services too, aren't there? There are, there are. And when you think about, you know, say a creative service provider, it could be the contractors that you, the graphic designer that you, you know, hired out or even allocating, you know, your graphic designer on staff, their time to that particular project. For services, it's looking at often allocating internal costs to that project. How much time are they spending on it? How much you know effort are they spending? However you want to figure that allocation. But it's also if you hire out outside contractors, it's if you get special software or other tools that you have to use that you're using just on that type of work or just on that client's work, that those are direct costs that you need to take into consideration. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to be sure that uh, I turn the page to your personal story too. But before we get too far, how do we connect with your business and uh, learn about your work? Yeah, great. Thanks. I'm on, I'm at dkeast.com and I'm on Instagram at, at dkeastassos. Um, Those are the two best places to get me. Um, I also have a podcast called Oh, What Now? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's with a, with a friend of mine who has five sons. I have four. And we are both entrepreneurs. So we figure between with nine sons between us, we have seen just about everything professionally and personally. So that's a really cool place to find me too. Great. Well, we will look for you there. Well, I think it's a perfect jumping off point then to your own story. And that is you didn't just start consulting entrepreneurs because you said, I can give them a lot of advice. You've started your own business. You've run some business while raising kids, as you said, uh, while handling a lot in your personal world. Tell us about that. Yes, I am a, what, you know, the quintessential accidental entrepreneur. <laughs> I had no intention of doing this. I had, you know, the corporate career going on for a long time. And um, my last job, though, was in a virtual work environment, which was fantastic. They were way ahead of their time. You know, this was back in 2013, and they had been around for 15 years already, which was great because right at that point in time, I was getting a divorce. I was a single mom of four. My kids were starting to be teenagers at that point. And I realized that, you know, I think it's actually more important for parents to be present when your kids are teenagers than when they're toddlers. Anyone can tell your kid, don't put that in your mouth. You know, when you have teenagers and you're like, oh God, where are you going? What are you doing? Who are you with? You know, all that. Just and really around wanted to put it in your mouth. And then, yeah, I didn't want to go there, but yes, indeed. <laughs> and so I, when I, when that job in 2016, 17, they downsized significantly and they got rid of me, which of course I saw on the the writing on the wall because I was the CFO. So I I kind of knew it was coming. So I had sort of done, you know, kind of a little bit of consulting and 
every once in a while as a side hustle, but I really had to tap into it a hundred percent because I did not want to go back to working where I would have to leave the house at seven in the morning, come back at eight o'clock at night between the, the work and the commute and all that. And I mean, I, my youngest was seven at the time, so there was no way I could be gone for that long. And, um, I just, I really just dug in and said, okay, I'm going to have to figure out how to do this full time. And my first couple of jobs were bookkeeping. They were bookkeeping jobs, way low rate, the whole nine, but it was enough to get me started. And you know, we all talk about the village and I realized this not too long ago, but my village was not who I thought it was going to be. My village was those first two clients who were women who said, we see you and we see what you're going through. How can we help? Who can we refer you away? And they started referring, you know, what, you know, asking, do you want more bookkeeping? No, I don't want more bookkeeping work. <laughs> what do you do? And then they would refer and it became a referral process from then on out. And um, yeah, that's been just fantastic. And I'm, I still, you know, work from my home office. I go out to clients when there's no pandemic, mm-hmm. but for the most part, I can be around, you know, when I need to be for my kids, I cannot be around, which they also like mm-hmm. <laughs> just yes. as much. But well, yeah, let's pick it's, up it's on that village journey. thought, because I think, again, yeah. creative people often think, well, and we haven't done the speed dating networking group thing for a while where we all get in a room and hand off business cards. But but people think, well, I got to network more. I got to be on social media more. But you've described more of a village approach to referrals, collaboration, support network kind of thing. Talk a little bit more about that and how it worked for you. It's interesting. I coming out of a very male dominated industry and an industry where women were not supportive of each other because there were so few seats higher up at the table and all that when I first started my business, I thought I don't want to work with women because they're going to be cutthroat and catty and I don't want to deal with it. And what I found out was that entrepreneur women are not at all like that because they have realized we're not competing for the same thing. And we can collaborate and collaborate collaboration is so much more powerful than competition. And so I, I really kind of tapped into that and, you know, I'm involved with a lot of women entrepreneurial communities and, you know, it, it's just that whole aspect of helping. I, I I'll help somebody else now and down, you know, a little bit down the road, they'll, talk to someone else and they'll say, oh, you need a CFO? Oh gosh, I was just talking to this woman, Dorothy. She seems amazing. You know, refer that on. And, you know, yes, I'm on social media. Yes, I, I do all that kind of, that kind of social networking type thing, but it's more to get my content out there than it is to get a lead generation out mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. You know, I, I want people to be able to see who is Dorothy, especially as a CFO, it's a very trusted role. So somebody really has to kind of get, have a feel for me before they start working with me to know whether or not, you know, they even want to start talking to me about working together. Yeah. Well, and sometimes we think about this scarcity versus abundance mentality in a more metaphysical law of attraction sort of way, but you've described something very practical. And that is maybe in the corporate environment, there's only so many boxes on the org chart and so many seats at the table, but in the entrepreneurial world, there's plenty of business for all of us, isn't there? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I've done the same where I I've collaborated with, you know, my, my 
outsource chief marketing officer. Hey, I know somebody who needs branding. Hey, there you go. She's amazing. Or even within the CFO accounting world, I have a, a, a colleague who does a lot more of the bookkeeping side of things. She has a staff that does that. I come up against a client who needs that. I send them their way. She comes up with a client that needs somebody, you know, more in the CFO in the creative world. She sends them my way. And we don't ever feel like, you know, oh, I'm sending too much that way or this way, or you just know it's going to come back around at some point and it's all good. Well, as we're getting started into 2022, a lot of our creative businesses were we're looking forward to bigger, brighter days. <laughs> you know, yes. there's more to come, more to get out there, more to get to know. But what are you looking forward to? Where do you see things over the horizon for you and your work? I'm hoping my clients get to where they want to go, (laughs) number one. I hope a brand refresh that's coming out shortly, probably later in January. And so I'm kind of looking forward to tweaking a little bit of how, how I'm presenting myself out there, going from rather trying to present myself as a whole firm of people to realizing that, you know, it's primarily me. I do have a few staff, but it's primarily me. And so putting me out there a little bit more and hoping that, you know, in doing that, I will attract more clients that want to work with, with me specifically, rather than just looking for any accountant to work with. You know, um, I, it's, like I said, it's a, you know, very trusted role. So they have to really feel comfortable with who I am and, and getting that out there so that they know who that is, um, is a big one for me. And so, hoping to go down that path and be a bit more of a perceived as perceived as probably a bad word. Cause then it makes it sound like it's not true seen as a thought leader in this mm-hmm. space. I'm much more about, you know, teaching and bringing people along on the, on the growth ride than I am generating a bunch of business at this point. I see what you mean. And you mentioned helping clients achieve what they're doing. And obviously it's different uh, by, by client, but what is a thread that you're seeing through some of the business and, and what, I guess, as a creative industry, people are hoping to see? You know, it's interesting. The pandemic taught a lot of us that we can do, you know, it used to be less with more. I feel like in the pandemic, it was more with less. And all across almost all of my clients, they have realized that either they were spending too much money on things and they could get it done just as well or better by being more creative with, with what they were working with. And they want to continue that. They're like, now they're thinking, Hey, wait, if I can continue this really good profit margin and then continue to scale my business, wow, that's going to be so much more beneficial for me financially. And it almost took, you know, something like a pandemic to get people to kind of switch that thing. And it it always felt like, Oh, I have to spend more money to make more money, spend more money to make more money. And then this time of scarcity for the last 20 months has made us say, what can I do if I don't spend that money? Oh, wait, oh, just as good a job. Look at that. You know, so I, I think everybody's being just a little more frugal, but not in a way where the end user is seeing that impact. Well, Dorothy, I loved looking at your background with all the experience and uh, finance that you've done, but I also love the little footnote. I always love to look for these and there it is part-time basketball coach. <laughs> You can't be what the is, mother of four, yes. four. I was going to say four sons, but four kids at all. Four kids, you're going to you're going to coach a basketball team somewhere somehow. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was uh, that was it was a rec program, but it was 15 to 17 year olds, and three of my sons were on the team at the time, and we just we had a blast. I mean, it was just it was a lot of fun. I mean, 
you know, we, did we take the whole, you know, championship? No, but we did, we finished better than 500, which is great. I was going to say, there, how much Gatorade <laughs> was poured on your head? <laughs> but it, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And I feel like it, you know. Yeah, lessons, have, lessons learned from the basketball court. What would you say your takeaway was? Oh, God. That, you know, even the most, even the most like studly guy kid on the team will is just a mush ball at the end of the day. I honestly, you know, I mean, when they did well, they, they, you know, 17 year old, six foot two kind of guy would still be like, mom, did you see that shot? You know, not to me, like to hit their own mothers. And so yes. I, I was like, oh, I love that. I love that. There's just still a kid in, you know, in a 17, 18 year old, which you, you'd say they're still kids, but they like to pretend they're not. Yeah. I think that persists. I think we would think, all like to say, did you see that shot? Yes, I agree with you. <laughs> we just want one. to be seen. Exactly. Totally. <laughs> Dorothy, what a wonderful conversation. I've really enjoyed getting to know you better. Listeners, again, DK East Associates is her company. All sorts of fractional CFO services, accounting strategy, moved way beyond bookkeeping. She can help you grow your business in a lot of ways you never thought about. So always uh, great to talk to somebody with your perspective, Dorothy. And thanks for encouraging us to see our value, not just in our hourly rate, but maybe the value of the work if we look Absolutely. higher. Absolutely. And what could you leave us with as a kind of call to action in that regard? Know your value. Don't be afraid to go out there with it. The worst is going to happen is somebody's going to say, no, I can't afford you. And maybe you don't want to work with them anyway. Don't undersell yourself. Do not undersell yourself. You're worth so much more than you think you are. Uh, thanks for that. We can, we'll put the punctuation right there. Again, my guest, Dorothy Kolb. And listeners, come back again next time. We're going to continue our around the world travels uh, virtually right now to talk to creative practitioners all over the world about how they organize their ideas, how they gain the confidence and the connections to launch their creative work out into the world. So until next time, I'm Mark Stinson, and we've been unlocking your world of creativity. See you next time. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. This program was produced by BSB Media, creators of IntelliQ Leadership Stories, Unlocking Your World of Creativity, and ThePeaceRoom.Love. If you like our podcast, here's another show you might like, Turmeric and Tequila with Kristen Olson, Questioning a Better Way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Authentic, aware, influential, and grateful. Look for and follow Turmeric and Tequila.